0: This morning, I invite you to open your Bible. I hope that you have your copy of God's Word and will follow along with me. We're going to look at two passages of Scripture. This series of messages is on being the church. And what does it mean to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ? Are we fulfilling what Christ called us to do as a church? And are we being the church? And uh, so today, we're going to look at two passages of Scripture. One is found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. And it says as the crowd was passing was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word he was standing by Lake Gennesaret and he saw two boats at the edge of the lake the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets he got into one of the boats which belonged to Simon and he asked him to put out a little bit from the land then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat when he had finished speaking he said to Simon Put out into the deep water and let down your nat- nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish. And their nets began to tear. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. I'd love to go on that fishing trip. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me because I'm a sinful man, Lord. For he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you will be catching people. Then they brought the boats to the land and left everything and followed him in Matthew's gospel chapter number 28 Jesus some of Jesus' last words to his disciples he came near to them and said all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth go therefore and make what make what make what Of whom? All nations. nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Father in heaven, thank you for the power of your word. Father, I pray that today as we study it together, as we hear it together, that, God, you would do business in our hearts, in our lives. I pray that we would set aside the things that would distract us, that, Father, we would repent of things that hinder us, that, Father, that we would uh, laser focus to hear what you're saying to us, Lord, that we wouldn't be thinking about Someone else or somebody else needing to hear it, but Lord, it's us. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. May we listen with intention to obey you, and may we grow in more likeness of Christ. Holy Spirit of God, we know that you are here. We have gathered in the name of Jesus, and we are gathered around the Word of God, and we are gathered in your presence. Holy Spirit of God, we ask you to convict us, convince us. Father, lead us to deep repentance and faith. Father, comfort us in our struggles and then strengthen us to be the men and women of God you've called us to be. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Today, I want us to look at this passage on being the church, and really the thought today is about about what it means to be a follower of Christ, about make followers of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? And so today, as we look in the text together, we're going to talk about the call to follow Jesus, the cost to follow Jesus, and the consequences of following Jesus. I think that we'll not finish all of the outline that I have prepared for today, but there's always next Sunday. Amen. And so that's what we'll look at on next Sunday. So today I want us to look at this call to follow Jesus, and what does it mean? First of all, before we do it, what is this? uh, My question to you, just some simple questions, I want you to consider these. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? I mean... Second question, same question, but I'll frame it differently. Are you a disciple of Jesus? What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? How would you define a follower of Jesus? If you were to write out a definition, this is what a disciple is, this is what a follower is, how would you define it? What is the evidence in your life that you are a follower of Jesus Christ? In your own life, the way you're living it now, what is the personal evidence in your life that you're following Jesus? It's a leadership principle that's often quoted. And simply this... If you think you're leading and no one's following, you're just going for a walk. Are you following Jesus? Are you following Him? Is Jesus Christ the leader of your life? Are you doing what He did? Are you doing what He asked you to do today? The other day I went to a restaurant to eat, and anybody noticed everybody's looking for workers, right? Right? There's not enough staff in the kitchen, wait staff. And so there was a w- woman who was waiting the table, and she had another young girl with her, and she was filling the tea glasses and the water. And, and uh, she came back to give me some, some more tea. I said, are you just learning? She said, yes, I'm a trainee. Can you tell? I said, kind of. She says, it's my first day. I hope I'm not messing up. I said, so what are you doing? She says, I am shadowing her. She knows everything I'm supposed to learn. And I'm doing whatever she asks me to do. Jesus commissioned us to make followers. And one of the questions that the disciples did not ask, when he says, go and make disciples, go make followers of all the nations, they didn't say, but Jesus how do we disciple others to be your followers? They didn't ask that question. You know why? Because they knew. Jesus has simply said to them, go make disciples. What I did with you, you do with others. Live out what I showed you as I discipled you. So today, I want us to look at this text and story. First of all, the call to follow Jesus in this Luke's gospel. I love this story. In chapter 5, Jesus is teaching around the Sea of Galilee, and while he's there, there's large crowds that are pressing in all about him, and he has the disciple, he, the, uh Peter and Andrew and James and John and Zebedee, these guys had a little fishing business, and he says to Simon, he said, hey, Simon, can I uh, use your boat and... And so he sits in Simon's boat and goes out from the water just a little ways. And he's teaching off the natural amplification of the water to the hillside where there's a multitude of people and he's teaching them. When he's finished his teaching time... Then Jesus said to Simon, he says, why don't you push out a bit further? And he says, and uh, let down the nets and see if we catch some fish. Now, by this time, it's mid-morning or later, and they had worked all night long. They had already cleaned and mended their nets and stowed them away. They fished at night. They were professional fishermen. They knew fishing business. And he said, why don't you let down your nets? He said, Well, master, teacher, uh, rabbi, you know, uh, we fished all night long, and we caught nothing. And that's kind of what we do. And immediately he thought, okay, but at your word, we'll throw out the nets. And he threw out out the nets, and when they put out the nets, what happened? A great number of fish. That's my kind of fishing. Great number of fish came into the nets. So much so that the nets were tearing, and they're pulling the nets, and the fish are dumping and flopping all around in the boat. And he says, hey, we need some help over here. And they bring another boat, and they fill that one up, and both boats are starting to sink. Now that's a lot of fish. And all of a sudden, Peter realizes I'm in the presence of holy. And there's fear. They don't fully understand it, but they know this is not ordinary. And when they get to shore, Jesus says to Peter and Andrew and James and John Boys, you think this is something. You follow me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. We'll change the world. Wow. So the first step in being a disciple of Jesus Christ, a follower of Jesus, it means you follow Jesus. And that means you have to leave some things. And that's what they did. They left their boats. It says they left everything and followed Jesus. They left their boats in verses number 10 and 11. They left their boats. They left their business. They left their father-in-law. They left the other workers. They left a secure income. They left everything. And follow Jesus. In Luke's Gospel, chapter number five, we see a similar call. In Luke's Gospel, chapter five, verse number twenty-seven. After this, Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector. And what is his name? His name's Levi. Sitting at a tax office. Who's he collecting tax for? Revenue. He works for the Infernal Internal Revenue Service. And he says to them. He says to Matthew, Levi, or Matthew as we know him, he said, follow me. In verse 28, so leaving everything, 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 he got up and began to follow him. Well, what did Matthew or Levi leave? He leaves a lucrative income. He's a man of suspect character by the religious leaders. He's despised by the religious class. He's a tax gatherer for the Romans. And he says, Jesus says to him, follow me. And he's left everything. He followed him. And immediately, what does this tax gatherer do? He calls all of his friends and other tax gatherers and people that are ostracized and people that are Considered to be this part of the sinful class, class of people. And he has them in a large banquet at his home. And the Pharisees and scribes are complaining to Jesus and his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax gatherers and sinners? And Jesus said, it's not those who are healthy that need a doctor, but those who are sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance listen you want to be you want to be a follower of jesus christ it means leaving something it leaves your old life behind it leaves the things that you think are priority behind leave the guilt and shame that others have heaped on you behind and it says i'm hitching my life to that man right there and i'm going to follow him it requires leaving, breaking with priorities of your life, a new allegiance, a new loyalty, and a new priority. The problem I see today is I hear people say, well, I'd follow Jesus, but, and they got a but about following Jesus, but, you know, I got financial goals, first of all, and I've got to meet those goals, or, you know, I, I've got a lot going on my in life, my life, someday I'll follow Jesus. I have other responsibilities. I'm so busy. I don't have time now to follow Jesus. The kids are in soccer. I can't follow Jesus. Seriously. I got hobbies, man. I bought a bass boat. How can I follow Jesus? Nothing. It's just hobbies and activities and interests. When I get my career established, I'll follow Jesus. When I get my business off the ground, I'll follow Jesus. When the children get grown, I'll follow Jesus. No, you won't. Because this is your whole attitude. Listen to me. When I'm ready and on my terms, I will follow Jesus. And those are not the terms that Jesus gives us. Peter said to Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. And Jesus said, and everyone who's left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or fields, businesses, because of my name, will receive a hundred times more in this life and eternal life in the age to come. Not only requires leaving, it requires learning. When you follow Jesus, you learn of him. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, verse number 28, Jesus says, very familiar passage that we all know, Come unto me, all of you, who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. Rest. Take my yoke upon you, and what? Take my yoke upon you, and what? Learn Learn of me. Learn from me. Because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Thank you, Lord. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The call to follow Jesus is to all who are weary and burdened. Are you weary today? Are you burdened today? Maybe you're burdened with sin and guilt and shame. You've wearied by them because of the failures of your past. I'm telling you there's one who says, Come unto me and I will give you rest. Are you burdened with anxiety deep in your soul? You feel this anxiety all the time. Maybe you've been burdened by religion and burnt by church in the past. Jesus said concerning the scribes and the Pharisees, They sit in the chair of Moses he says, you listen to what they say, but don't you do what they do. Because they tie up heavy loads that are hard to carry. And they put them on the shoulders and on people's backs, but aren't willing to lift a finger to help them. Jesus said, come unto me if you've been hurt in the church. Come unto me if you're burdened by sin. Come me if you're filled with anxiety. Come unto me if you're filled with depression. Come unto me and I will give you rest. You, and take my yoke upon you yes, and learn of me. What does it mean to take his yoke upon you? It means come underneath his authority. Come underneath him When you're in a yoke, then you're under an authority. And he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Submit, yield unto me. When you submit your life to Jesus Christ and say, Lord Jesus, you're king. Lord Jesus, you're my master. Lord Jesus, I trust you. Lord Jesus, I'm leaving this. And Lord Jesus, I'm hitching myself to you. Lord Jesus, I'll take your yoke and I'm under you. You teach me then you're in a position of learning and growing and changing. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. William Barclay said years ago, he said, Joseph ran a carpenter shop and perhaps Jesus and Joseph also made yokes. He said he might have had a sign outside the house said, our yokes are easy. Well, that's just speculation, isn't it? Number two, the cost of following Jesus. What does it cost? In Luke's Gospel, chapter number 9, it says, If any man wants to follow me, let him deny himself. Take up his own cross daily and follow me. If you're going to follow Jesus, it involves three things. Number one, a denial of yourself. This is what Jesus said, not denying your personality, no, not denying your past, not denying your personal welfare, but he says, if any man wants to follow me, let him deny himself. What he's saying is, don't live after your selfish agenda. If anyone wants to follow me, he must deny himself. Has anybody, uh, does anybody here understand that your own selfish desires scream really loud at you, that they want you to do what you want to do, right? And Satan is a liar, isn't he? Amen. He lies to you. He never wants the best for you. And by the way, you know what else lies to you? Your own flesh lies to you. Last year or so, I've been trying to change my eating. And my flesh is mad about it. (laughs) I've been trying to change my eating so that my health might be better, my blood sugar might be better, and so I'm trying to change my eating. And so I figured out I've got to say no to something so I can say yes to my health. But self is aggravated about this, especially when the rest of the family goes to Bobby's. (laughs) And let me tell you about self's voice. Self's voice is powerful. Self's voice is persuasive. Self's voice is demanding I want to be fed bobbies (laughs) and nagging and unrelenting and self-justifying. Oh, come on. It won't hurt. You can start again tomorrow. I did that for years. Tomorrow. I'll start Monday. When it comes to following Jesus, is say no to self so you can say yes to Jesus. You say, well, I, I just tried it. I just can't do it. You can. He wouldn't ask you to do something you can't do. You're not a victim. He sets you free. Amen. He is setting you free to be the man or woman of God that he created you to be. Come and follow me and I'll change your life. That's the greatest news I know in all the world. You are not a victim. Tell your neighbor, you're not a victim. Let me tell you what, you play that victim card, and let me tell you, it happens in all relationships. When you start playing the victim card, it gives you the excuse not to change. Secondly, take, I better move on, right? Deny yourself then take up your cross, your own Cross. A Roman cross was a powerful and painful instrument of death and execution. It was a shameful and horrendous way to die. It involved pain and suffering. And for Christ Jesus, it was a sacrifice. It became the cross, I'll cherish the old rugged cross. We sang it today. But it was an emblem of suffering. It was an emblem of shame. Oh, it's been gloriously transformed to us post-resurrection. While others are ashamed of the cross, we as believers are not ashamed of the cross. The word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, but to us who are being saved, it is the power. But Jesus said, there's a cross for you. He said, deny yourself, take up your own cross. It means you don't live after your own agenda, but you're living sacrificially in allegiance to him, willing to lay down your life, and when you do, you find your life. Thirdly, there's allegiance to Jesus. If you're going to follow him, there's an allegiance to Jesus. You remember the young man who was pretty wealthy came up to Jesus, and he said to him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, what do the commandments say? You know the commandments. You shall not murder, commit adultery, steal, bear false witness, defraud others, steal, and honor your parents. And the young man, who's a delightful young man, he, everybody was taken with him. He said, I've done all of these things from my youth. And he said, well, one thing you lack I want you to go I want you to sell what you, everything you have I want you to give it to the poor and then come and follow me but he left grieving why was he grieving let me tell you why he was grieving this young man Wanted Jesus. But he wanted him on his terms. And Jesus saw through. He saw through the facade. He saw through the disingenuous way that he approached him. And he said, here's the issue. The issue is not the back half of the Decalogue. It's the front half. You've got to love God supremely. Jesus demands allegiance. Listen to what Jesus said. The one who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The one that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. What's your allegiance level to Jesus? Jesus. Brother Greg, it was a powerful prayer time today, I think, as we prayed for Afghanistan. Those Afghani believers, Christians, literally tens of thousands of people have come to profess Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord in the last 15 years. The church has grown. I heard one Afghani pastor say, they will demand that we all recant, and we know They will demand that we deny Jesus Christ. They will threaten us. They will beat us. We are stealing ourselves for this. And they will kill some of us, many of us. And they will kill our family. But we cannot. And we will not. Deny Jesus Christ as our King. Amen. In the ISIL state or ISIS, Islamic State of Syria or the Levant, those radicals similar to the Taliban made the Christians put in red paint on their houses an inn, a symbol of an inn on their houses, on their cars, on their businesses. And that inn stood for Nazarene. They are followers of the Nazarene in disdain. And it brought great persecution on them. Would you? What if that persecution was here and you had to put on your house a Christian? What if you lost your job? What if your family was tortured? What if they said, if you worship Jesus Christ, we're not not only going to kill you. First of all, we're going to kill your grandchildren and you're going to watch them. And then we're going to kill you. And what would you do? You say, well, pastor, that, that's not happening. It's not happening here yet. But it is happening. There's an allegiance to Jesus Christ that the early disciples had. And you see it in Peter, I don't care what you say to us, we must obey God rather than men. Amen. John saw his brother, the first martyr, James, killed. And he said, I will obey God rather than men. What are the consequences of following Jesus? In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, verse number 39, It says, anyone who finds, holds on to his life will lose it. But anyone who loses his life because of me will what? Find it. Let me tell you what happens when you hitch your life to Jesus Christ. You find a life that you didn't even know existed. And it is glorious. And when you lose your life, you find life. You find it. Not fake life, not pseudo life, real life. The world tells you all the time, you know what? Aren't they just, look at them. They just just got it all. They've got this fine home, fine car, fine boat, fine vacation home. They're just, look, they're living the life. They're not living the life, they're living the lie. The life is in Jesus, not in things. The lie is that the life is in things. It's not. That's pseudo-life. So we go to fake book and we look at fake book and say, Oh, man, I wish I had that life. Life's not found in fake book. It's not found in pleasures. It's not found in possessions. It's not found in retirement. And it's not found in toys. The lie out of hell. It's schemes. We are not ignorant concerning his schemes, the Bible says. Well, this scheming one is setting traps for all of us. Amen. That life is not found in Jesus. It's found somewhere else. That's not true. Life's found in him. Not only do you find life, the second great consequence and blessing of this is your life is changed by Jesus. When you follow Jesus, he makes you he makes you to become something you could never be on your own. He changes your life, transforms your life. He, he said, follow me, and I'll make you. You boys know how to fish for fish, but let me tell you what I'm going to do. When I get done, when you get done, when you start following me, you're going to find life. Not only find life, but I'm going to use you to do things you never believe you do. You're going to fish for men. Wow. And so these ragtag followers of fishermen, untrained men, Galileans, started following Jesus. They learned to trust Jesus. They learned to obey Jesus. They learned to love God. They learned to love other people. They learned to give. They learned to walk by faith. And they learned to serve others and not live for themselves. And God transformed them, these fishermen, into powerful men of God. You want to read about it? Look what happened when the Holy Spirit came upon the early church. In Acts chapter number 5, in verse number 12, Acts chapter 5, verse number 12, many signs and wonders were being done among the people through the hands of whom the apostles They were all together in Solomon's colonnade. No one dared join them, but the people spoke well of them. And believers were added to the Lord in increasing numbers, multitudes of men and women. These are Galilean fishermen and tax gatherers. Untrained, undisciplined, uneducated men who had become followers of Jesus Christ. They didn't go to any theological school, but the Spirit of God was resonating in them, powerfully using them, and believed multitudes of men and women. And as a result, they'd carry the sick out into the streets and lay them on cots and mats. And Peter came by, his shadow might fall on some of them. And in addition, a, a multitude came together from towns surrounding Jerusalem, bringing the sick, and those tormented by unclean spirits, demons, and they were all healed. Woo! That's pretty powerful. So did it make people happy with them? Verse 17 of Acts 5, the high priest rose up, and he was with them that belonged to the party of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles, put them in public jail. So now they're smoke, right? They're done. They're toast. No, notice what happened. But, I love that but, verse 19, an angel of the Lord appeared and opened the doors of the jail during the night and brought them out. (laughs) And this is what he said. Go stand in the temple and tell these people about this life. Don't go preach politics. You go in the temple And tell them about this life. Woo! And how does this stand up under pressure and persecution and difficulty? They bring these disciples who are teaching in the temple complex back before the Sanhedrin. And when they bring them back before them, they, it says... In verse number 40, they called, and the apostles had them flogged. They beat them with rods. They ordered them, you don't speak anymore in the name of Jesus. And they said, yes, sir. Okay, we won't ever do it again. No. And they went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin. Were they victims? Oh, poor us. No, they went out rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully on behalf of the name. And every day in the temple and various homes, they continue teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is Messiah. Hmm. Let me tell you about a disciple. To define it... Here's a definition. A disciple, and I think I have this on the screen, a slide. A disciple is a person who's following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and on mission with Jesus. Let's say it together. A disciple is a person who is... Are you? Are you? We'll finish the rest of this sermon on next Sunday. Just some takeaway questions for you to consider today. This first question I want you to consider with me is, am I following Jesus? Only you can answer that question. Are you a Christ follower? Second, what is the evidence that you are following Jesus? Maybe a good question to ask your wife, do you see evidence in my life that I'm following Jesus? A good question maybe to ask your boss at work, is there evidence in my life that I'm a Christ follower? Maybe you could ask your children, is there evidence in my life that I'm a Christ follower? Children, a good question to ask your parents, is there evidence in my life I'm a Christ follower? Students, why don't you ask Pastor Drew, do you see evidence in my life that I'm a Christ follower? Third question, is your life being changed by Jesus, is it? Fourthly, are you on mission with Jesus? Are you serving him? Fifth question, how is Jesus leading you today? How is he guiding you today? How are you following today? Father in heaven, as we prepare to take from your table today, we're mindful that Jesus bore a cross for us, died the death that we deserved, loved us when we were lost in our trespasses and sins, That you demonstrated your own law for us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And as bearers of his name and as followers of him, as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we remember all that he did for us. And we today yield ourselves to follow him. We commit ourselves have allegiance to him. Father, have your way in this service. In Jesus' name, amen.